Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 34 and today we have a very special guest that we don't want to waste any time so let's get right to it. Hey guys so joining us today is Mark G and he's actually a native of Australia, and currently living in New Zealand, correct? Yeah, that's correct. How's it going, guys? Hey. Good. We're hey. glad to have you on. Yeah. Do you watch Flight of the Concords and laugh at their uh, Australian bits that they say about New Zealanders and Australians? <laughs> you have to, being in the <laughs> living in New Zealand. Because <laughs> we're, we're Flight of the Concord fans. We've been watch, we watch their clips all the time on YouTube. And, uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So the, the bits that they make, the, that they, uh, you know, Th- threaten each other to export each other because they're from Australia is really, yeah. really funny. So I'm wondering, if, wondering if you get any of that, you know? Oh, I, I totally do. Being, I totally do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Mark. And you in the film industry, you've been working in the film industry for how many years? Uh, probably about 20 odd years now. It's um, yeah, it's a long time. It's gone really fast. But um, yeah, <laughs> in the film industry, feature films. Um, so I've done everything from Lord of the Rings, through to Avatar, King Kong, um, I've just finished up on um, War for the Planet of the Apes, so look out for that one. Ah, oh, yes. Nice. What is your role? Are you a special effects guy behind the scene, working any cameras? Yeah, no, I'm all, all behind the computer. I'm a visual effects supervisor, so it's um, basically looking after all the all the, the stuff that comes through and, and reviewing shots and dealing with clients. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. Very cool. Uh, the film industry. I love what was it. what was your first project? Uh, my first project? Oh, my God. Um, that would have been in Australia, and, and it would have been something like a, a kid's TV show. <laughs> oh, yeah? Car, it was about this, this stupid clown-looking guy. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> But that was a long time ago. So you started off small like everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. In Australia's version of Krusty the Clown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when did you get started in shooting? Like, did you, like, when did you, did you first start shooting digital when, when cameras went digital like I did? Or did you start with film early no, on when yeah. you were younger? I, I, started, I started, like, back in school with film. So I've, okay. I've sort of, and living in Australia and, and you know, on the coast, um, I was more into surf lifestyle photography. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then I came to Wellington, New Zealand, and then I realized it's a lot colder and there's not really a surf lifestyle. <laughs> the <here>. surf is <laughs> low. <laughs> Maybe so, bodyboarding. Yeah, so, so that's, that's when, I, when I discovered the landscape and in the night sky. Oh, wow. Yeah. What focal length do you shoot at regularly for night sky? What, lens, what kind of lens combination do you like to use and what do you recommend? Yeah, well, at the moment I... At the moment, I'm using a 15 millimeter, Z, a 15 millimeter Zeiss lens, which is which okay. is great. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah, really nice lens. Um, but generally, I used I used to use like a 14 millimeter Canon, and and it's, I think 14 mil is about right for the Milky Way, you know, for mm. for the landscape Milky Way shots. Do you like the quality of the Zeiss over the Canon? I do. Yeah, you notice yeah, it's I, noticeable. I do. I do. They, it's quite sharp. But I'm always on the lookout for good lenses. Like you know, I I'm not sort of married to to a particular brand or one or another. 
yeah, if if you can give me a good sharp lens, I'll, I'll go for it. Have you played around with the Sam Yang Rokinon lenses a lot? I I haven't actually. I I haven't. Um, but I've recommended them <laughs> to a lot of people <laughs> because they they are cheap and you know they're right. a, they're a prime lens and mm-hmm. the quality is is half decent for the price. You know, so yeah, a lot of a lot of people have used them and, and they're quite happy with it. So it's great. Well, thanks for joining us today. We brought on Mark G because everyone here who loves astrophotography has definitely idolized Mark G's photography. His mm-hmm. cinema cinematography because he has time lapses galore that are beautiful and so we wanted to talk to mark specifically about planning your shots for the milk we've been doing a lot of talk about astrophotography planning lately and mark g the man who has the million dollar video of the moon rising above a lookout point where all these people are wandering back and forth in front of the moon as silhouettes i mean he is the king of planning a perfect shot (laughs) well (laughs) to be honest it was a it was a trial and error mostly for that one. But <laughs> there was, there did end up being a fair bit of planning involved. Um, but at the start, I sort of, I saw it rise about a year before I actually shot the video, um, the moon rise. And, and I didn't realize it was the moon and I saw it come up and then it revealed these people. And I thought, well, that'd be super cool to be able to capture that. And I just wanted, at the start, I just want to get a photo of it. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> the next month I went back to the same spot, set my camera up, ready to go, and that was the first lesson I le- learned, that the moon never rises in the same place every month. Ah, yeah. <laughs> was it close enough that you could move right or left and oh, fix it, or was it I way have, I would have had to walk about 250 meters or so. <laughs> oh, wow. It was a long way out. Yeah, so it was that point on that I started doing some research and, and trying to work out how to plan these shoots. But, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of trial and error over the next year. But finally, you know, I nailed it. But um, it took a long time to get that far. Yeah, I remember reading the article you posted about it saying it took maybe even a couple years. How many years before you got the well, real yeah, shot? It was about a year. It was, it was probably about a year, exactly. Okay. And there was, there was times when, you know, I had, you know, I was in sort of in the right spot and the clouds would come in. Uh. <laughs> and another time it was absolutely perfect and it was rising. I was really excited. And then it rose and there was no one on the lookout at all. <laughs> so <it's> like, ah. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> but then there was, yeah, there was also all these other times where I was like, you know, a meter out one way or another. And, and it's just really frustrating. But but finally, <laughs> the, moon, the full moon, it's not actually full moon. It's the night after the full moon. But I did try that full moon. Um, to capture that and I was out so the next day I thought okay I need to be here another meter or so this way and (laughs) and that's that's what I did and I and it was a perfect day and Wellington's one of the windiest cities in the world so when you're dealing with like a super telephoto lens you need it not to get right city Mm. in the world and it was absolutely perfect day and this moon started to rise and I pressed the record button and I got started getting really excited and, and jumping up and down. And I was in this park and, and there was this woman walking her dog and she walked past me and she was just looking at me really strangely. Yeah, and she goes, oh, you were, you were stargazer, right? And I said, no, 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 I'm shooting this moon and there's rising and there's people behind and I'm trying to point on my LCD. And she goes, oh, yeah, and just kept walking the dog. Had no idea. <laughs> She had her chance right there, and she mm-hmm. didn't take it to meet Mark G. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the telephoto lens, I just used a 1 to 400 lens and had movement with a little bit of wind, and you had something longer than that for this shot, right? Yeah, I, I, at the time I was using a 500 mil and a two-time teleconverter. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's about 1,000 mils, plus I had it on a, a Canon 1D4 or something like that. So it was a 1.4. No, actually, it was a 70. So it was a 1.6 crop factor on top of that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Whoa. You were really zoomed in. Yeah. Like 1,600 like millimeter. Mil or something Whoa. like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, how did you keep it from moving as much? I mean, I guess you well, said some days are too that's windy. The thing. Could... It was this, there was no wind whatsoever. It was it was incredible. It was such a still day. And, and oh. I was so lucky. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. And you just went out month after month trying to get it to work? Or yeah. How like many I, I had every month, an opportunity every month, obviously, and I probably had three days, you know, the full moon the day before and the day after. Mm-hmm. And I tried every single one of those. And <laughs> it took wow. me a year. Wow. <laughs> that's so that's dedication. dedication. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So when you are out there with that situation, and you're getting the situ- you're getting the moments that just aren't working, aren't working, aren't working. Mm-hmm. What did you change in the first six that fixed it for the last six attempts? Anything that came to mo- comes to mind? Yeah, well, you know, it was a I learned a lot of um, gut instinct. <laughs> it's like you, I, I use so so back then. Um, I learned about TPE, the app, which was a desktop at the time, and I did more of my planning on that um, for the moonrise, but. You know, it's it's really hard to be in the right spot, and you have this instinct and in saying, "Oh, well, I should actually take one step to the left to put the camera there or something." <laughs> you know, it was it's just this gut feeling and 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 that kind of thing. And and on the on the actual night when I did get it, I had the camera set up, and I was sort of waiting. And like at the last minute before I saw the moon, I thought, "Oh, maybe I should pick my camera up and move it, you know, one meter to the right." But I never did, and I'm so glad I didn't. (laughs) 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 My gut told me not to do it. (laughs) And just meters, the slight meter change could... It makes a big difference. Lead or not, it it does, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I wonder what it could have been like for you had you gone back with something like PhotoPills where you have the augmented reality app Mm -hmm. that you're holding in front of you. I wonder how accurate it would have been or if you still would have had those single meter differences. Yeah, well, the thing is I've done a lot of planning since then of, of moonshots and, and sunrises and things with photo pills and it makes it so much easier. With the, uh, you can just stand there and hold it up and actually see what you're looking at and see where the path of the you know, the moon or the sun is and it just makes it, the guesswork a little easier. That's even more incredible now because I thought you had something like photo pills when you planned the shot. I had no idea that you did it on a desktop and yeah. then brought that data to the spot and just yeah, hoped no, it worked it, out. It was pre-desktop. <laughs> yeah, wow. Was, yeah, was, yeah, like, it, it, I put oh, the coordinates that's... into my Google Maps and sort of walked around the little blue dot following it and trying to find the <laughs> spot. But, oh my. Yeah. So how long did it take you to edit it and put in the song? Had you already picked out a song at that no, point? You knew? Well, the thing was that the whole thing was I wanted to do like a time-lapse sort of slash, you know, Moonrise film with, with all the bits and pieces in it. But when I captured this film, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to get this thing out <laughs> because it's just so beautiful as it is. <laughs> and that night I sort of went home and, and started looking through all this all this different music and things, listening to my favorite artists and so forth. Um, and, you know, the number one thing, the, the smartest thing I ever did was actually license a track for that <laughs> 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 because I'd never licensed a track before or maybe I'd done it once. And I thought, oh, yeah, I like this song. Maybe I should license it, and which I did. And I, I'm so glad I did. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you can monetize a video, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the smartest move that night. And um, <laughs> it was probably by about, you know, it wasn't, it's not a big edit. It's just pretty, basically putting music to the, to the video. But it took so long to sort of find the track that suited it. And by this time, it was like 3 a.m., so I just uploaded it and <laughs> went to bed. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just crazy, and then all hell let loose the next day in the morning. Um, I, I I got a phone call from CNN. <laughs> just, the next morning. Oh, next wow. morning when I woke up. Whoa! 
Yeah. Um, oh, that went fast. <laughs> yeah, it went fast. And, and it's like I was half asleep and I'm thinking, how the hell did you get my phone number? And that, that, <laughs> and that was uh, the second thing I learned. Don't put your phone number on Facebook. Oh, they found it through Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was their offer? Was it something like we want to buy this from you or we just want to talk to you about it? We want to talk to you about it. And, and yeah, they just wanted to know whether it was real or not. And yeah, it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> Wow. Oh, cool. Did it turn into an on-air interview that you heard about or listened to? Or? It did. I never never got the chance to see it. Um, and, you know, the, all the major networks followed after that. Like there was the BBC and, and you know, a, f- a few others, a lot of local, you know, networks, obviously, in New Zealand. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's amazing. Wow. So this is a single video, one single take, or did you use time-lapse frames? No, this is a single video. It was just... I start recording just before I think the moon's going to rise um, and, yeah, let it go. And you just had it set to, like, 1080p, right, all ready yeah. to go, and you yeah. just hit record. Okay. Wow. Uh, the big question I have, I guess it came from the other previous months of attempts. How did you get the exposure where you wanted it? Did it just take a moment of that's, watching the moon rise? Yeah, that's, that's exactly – that was the good thing about the previous attempts because I knew the exact exposure of what I needed to do. Gotcha. So I keep setting so, it for before the moon rises and the moon gets up there and it changes so yeah, quickly. It's, it's right. Crazy. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. in the video, I mean, everything is really black. I mean, the silhouettes are really black silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. And so the only light you're exposing directly just for the moon, which is which is perfect because yeah, that, yeah, it made right. the video just sing. So Have there been copycats that I haven't seen out there? Oh, yeah. There's been copycats. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't call them copycats. I'd, I'd call them inspired. Um, <laughs> inspired. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a guy in, in Byron Bay in Australia um, who's a friend of mine. Like, he he contacted me. He says, "Hey, you know, how'd you do this?" And I told him, and he said, "Oh, I'm going to do it behind the Byron Bay lighthouse." And he's done it, and, and it's great. It looks fantastic. And I attempted that myself <laughs> because I originally I'm from around that area, so I I knew the area well. Oh. But, but because I'm living in New Zealand, I don't have as many opportunities as what he does. Um, I managed to get a right. sunrise, but he he got the money shot with the with the moon rising there. Oh. Yeah. Do people at least give it credit? This is the Mark oh, G yeah, moon rise. Oh, yeah, they do. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So what else do you do to plan your astrophotography? Because we're talking the moonshot only right now, but you have mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful time lapses that you have the camera rotating as well as sliding up and down, following and tracking with the bulge of the Milky Way on the horizon. And it, it's amazing what you have out there. I mean, what have you done to plan those shots and what do you do to plan most of your shots? I treat it. I, I treat it more, more like a landscape shoot. Really, I, I go and find the landscape first, and then I think of where the Milky Way is going to be in the night sky, and I plan it all around that. Because I know in New Zealand, in in the early part of the year, if I've got to be looking east, um, and in later part of the year, I've got to go and look west. So I look for locations oh. with interesting landscape, interest, interesting foregrounds, and I plan that way. So you plan location first, and then you go back to the computer and do the other calculations. Yeah, well, the thing was, the thing was obviously with photo pills, you can you've got that in your hand, and you can take that out there, and you can see where everything is is as far as the landscape is right. concerned. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge help. Um, and there's some landscapes which I've visited in the past, and I thought, oh, this would be awesome. And then you sort of get your argumentative reality up and on photo pills, and it doesn't quite line up. So 
you go back to the drawing board and find something else. Oh, I felt that way exactly. At Natural Bridges National Monument, we have oh, this yeah. big land bridge that's there, and you think, okay, this gaping, huge maw of a window, you can mm -hmm. have the Milky Way all inside of it. And as we pulled out the augmented reality app of PhotoPills, we could see that the big core, the giant core of the Milky Way, filled it up from bottom to top. And yep. it wasn't this frame on the outside of the Milky Way mm. at all. It was entirely just sort of blocking the edges of the Milky Way on the edge. <laughs> yeah. But then allowing the core to be somewhat visible on the inside. Unless you were standing inside the arch, you really couldn't capture the Milky Way like we planned at first. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with that. Yeah. We approach our work in a similar way where we, we tend to go out and find the landscapes first as well. I don't know if it's just a, a natural thought process or um, because we do both. We do landscape and astro. So we, we, tend to, we tend to do that as well. We tend to scout out, scout out during the day. Which makes more sense because you can see exactly what you're looking at, and then you go yeah. back at night, and then you can plan for your night shot. You know, so and that's that's so true, and that's a really good point about scouting in the daytime for nighttime shots. You need to do that because in the dark, you, you waste a lot of time trying to find the, you know, the, the, the things in the foreground that you want to sort of put in your camera and where you want to put a camera. And also, I've I've done some I've done mistakes like that. I've I've looked on Google Maps and said, oh, this place is going to look amazing. So I'm going to travel <laughs> there. And I, I made the mistake of traveling there at night and I got like about four, you know, a couple of miles away from the location and there was this locked gate and a big dog on the other side. So uh, <laughs> even a dog. Yeah. I traveled like two and a half hours to get there. So I had to basically oh. turn around and, and go back. <laughs> Oh man! So, what was that area going to be? What was amazing about it? Uh, it was it's a very remote um, location on the east coast of New Zealand, and um, there's these white, white rocks and really dark uh. black sands. So it had this beautiful contrast and, and against the mm. night sky. I ended up going back there again. <laughs> <laughs> this time I, I made sure I had permission um, from the landowner and, and he let me through at his big dog. He, nice. he, he took care of the big dog. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just throw a steak in there. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then where, if we're thinking about coming to New Zealand, we're thinking about that brilliant core of the Milky Way being high in the sky and not like how we see it here in the Northern Hemisphere at our latitude where yeah. it's always hugging the horizon. Uh, what time of year should we come to New Zealand? Oh, New Zealand's very lucky. Um, our Milky Way season, you can, you can start seeing the core in January if you want to get up at like 4 a.m. Um, but, you know, from yes. end of, by the end of February right through to the end of October, the Milky Way, the core of the Milky Way is visible in the night sky. Um, so, you know, I, I love it when it rises to the east because it rises straight up vertically and it looks really impressive. And that's mm -hmm. from February onwards. Um, and even, even now we're in May, June, um, 6 p.m., it's dark, it's winter, um, the core's right there on the horizon straight up. Oh. So I, I, yeah, I, I would say, I would say, you know, if you came now, May, June, um, it's, it's perfect because you get the rise of the core, you get it up in the sky right above you, and then you get the, the core right on the horizon to the west the next morning. <sighs> That's really good news. So I my, didn't consider that. Yeah, so my next question is, Mark G., how do you feel about sponsoring two Americans? That come <laughs> it's like a, uh, you know, a high schooler when they have exchange programs. You just bring Yeah, two you want to trade, trade someone, send someone up here. We'll <laughs> a photographer exchange. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. We should start something like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> I should do it myself. Yeah. So then I'm thinking now, I didn't, 
I understood that your winter is at a different time than our winter, obviously. But when mm. I pictured how we both have that December month when there's no Milky Way core, yeah. and I thought, okay, yeah, they have the same situation. But I forgot during that time is our winter where we have the longest nights yep. and we don't have anything to look at. And so he I, has the longest night with the Milky Way up. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's amazing. That's, I never even thought about that. Your winter with longer nights starting at 6 p.m., you have a Milky Way core that you can see. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, we're it's, talking it's, like ten hours of fun. Well, ten hours plus. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's and the further south you go in New Zealand, the, the darker it is, like longer. Mm. So it's 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 amazing. What's your favorite place to go and do astrophotography out there? Well, you know, I, I love my local area around Wellington. There's so much diversity, and you don't have to travel very far to to have some of the darkest skies in the world. Really? But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also love going to the South Island of New Zealand, which is just, you know, a little hop and skip for me. And, you know, there's Lake Tekapo and um, Mount Cook. And there it that's, is. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's Cook, the yeah. International Dark Sky Reserve, like a gold-rated one. So the skies there are so dark. And the added bonus is you've got these huge towering mountains all around and snow. And uh, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Lake Tekapo. Lake Tekapo's mm-hmm. on my list. Yeah. You are a guy who's worked on Lord of the Rings. And so now I'm thinking about locations in New Zealand. Can you get Hobbitville and a Milky Way? You can, and someone has. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice! It wasn't faked. <laughs> no, no, no. The guy, the guy who's the official photographer there, he, he was pretty smart. And he says, "Oh, yeah, maybe I should do the Milky Way in Swanson," <laughs> which he did. Nice. Yeah. So I'll leave him. He can have that one. Yeah, I guess so. I'll add it to my portfolio for fun someday, maybe. But it won't be the first. Yeah, you can't no. catch a first much these days. So with your planning and you're using all your gear, do you always bring a slider to do time lapses, or do you stick with photography only sometimes well that's the thing like i you know the start i I did a lot of a lot more photography than than the time lapse and the time lapse i i did plan every now and then but more more so i find time lapse a lot more challenging um so it's taken my interest a lot more now so i'm doing a lot more time lapsing you i i post less images but that's because i'm doing more time lapse and um, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I'm really into at the moment is making films and and sort of, you know, trying to inspire people that way. Awesome. Well, people are going to want to know what do you recommend for a beginner or anyone to use for time lapse because we always think about bulb ramping and how we're going to have the sliders. What do you use? What equipment should we be looking at? Well, there's a, you know, there's a lot of options out there today, um, but I, I use a New Zealand company and they're called SERP. And mm-hmm. they've they've got these these great modular systems and and it's just so easy to use, um, you know. And they're always and they're always developing new products as well. And you know they're they're developing new ways of doing things. So that's I'm really happy that I'm sort of being involved with those guys. Awesome. That's Do right. they have a good day to night bull ramping on there? We haven't tested Brendan's. Yeah, no, they, they they don't. They don't. Not yet. Um, I, I believe they might be looking at that in the future. Um, but I, I've just started using the um, Time Lapse Plus View, um, which, oh, okay. which is fantastic um, because I used to do it all manually, <laughs> changing exposures, which was real boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all stress- oh, yeah. It's stressful because you have to get that exposure just right. But, but with the View, I, I recently did a 13-hour time lapse from sunset to sunrise and I just plugged this view in with with the the genie, and let it so go. So is that a SERP product? Tell us yeah. more about that. Is that a SERP product or is no, that it's an not, app or it's what? Not a SERP, it's plus. not a SERP product. It's yeah, Timelapse Plus. It's it's hardware. It's it's an, it's another company. Oh, uh, okay, okay. In in the US, and they had a Kickstarter for the for the time lapse for the view. Um, okay. 
and and I'll, I bought into that, obviously. It's great. It's fantastic. And it, it works with a lot of the time-lapse systems. Um, it works with the Genie at the moment, except the Genie sort of fires, fires the trigger on, on the um, view at the moment. But they're mm-hmm. also developing, you know, Bluetooth to work with the Genie Minis as well. So that that'll be oh, great. Nice. Oh, that will be. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that, that 13 hour time lapse I did with it, I, I didn't have to do a thing. I just set it up. <laughs> oh, obviously, there was a lot of luck involved. I, I had to sort of have the right weather and everything, in which it was. Mm. But it was absolutely perfect. The ramping was insane. <laughs> I couldn't believe That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. On a slider, too, or is going up or down on a no, ramp? No, I didn't, I didn't put it on a slider because I, what I wanted to do was capture the – I wanted to capture the – This it was a big plan. It, it took a long time to plan. I wanted to capture the sun setting, and then I wanted to rotate, pan around, and then capture the sun rising to the east. So I went from oh. the west to the east. And in between, I've got a lighthouse, and there was the moon, moon setting as well, but that was behind me. I didn't capture that, but you see the light oh. from the moon. And then the core of the Milky Way starts rising like towards oh. the end. And then it goes into daylight. Awesome. Is that video available on YouTube? Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube. It's on Vimeo. Yeah. Okay. I've just done an edit um, and I've called it New Zealand under an, a starry sky. And that's like my greatest hits kind of thing. <laughs> so, nice. And, and, and it's part of that. So it's, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Cool. You have Vimeo and YouTube. When you released your moon video, was it on both or did you only have Vimeo? Vimeo at the time. And then I thought, well, YouTube's pretty cool you get a lot of, yeah, a lot of visitors right. there so then yeah then i released it on youtube <laughs> okay right on wow. and that's where the monetization comes in because you had a funny story about your son yeah it's a funny it's a funny story my, my son 10 year old son he's right into minecraft and he does these minecraft videos on, on youtube and he's He's into making a million dollars on YouTube. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, because a PewDiePie can do it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and I, you know, he he's kept going on about, you know, how many subscribers I have and how many subscribers he's trying to get. And he said, <laughs> he said to me, you you must have some, some money from YouTube. And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't have a clue what I've got. And he says, oh, I'll go and check out AdSense for you. And he went in and checked it. And there was five grand in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Five grand sitting yeah. in there, just waiting for you to eventually take it. No one, no one sent me emails about it. I guess Google's not gonna pressure that, huh? Yeah, <laughs> They'll let it sit in there until you want it. That's right. <laughs> Too bad I wasn't collecting interest. Hell, no kidding. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Mark G was not in it for the money, guys. No. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> yeah. So with your planning or with any other Milky Way photography, what do you recommend for beginners just getting started? You know, the best thing to do is is to, you know, PhotoPills is a great app because you can see where the Milky Way rises um, through the centric planner and where it sets. And, you know, just get out there and get familiar with it. You know, that's, that's the big thing. You've, you've got to get out. You don't get, don't get hung up of, of planning things and saying, well, you know, I've got to be here at this time and do that. Just, just go to a location which you like and have a look at the compositions and, and start shooting stuff, really, and, and feel mm. what's right. I know that's how Brendan and I felt last year. We, did, we knew the location we are going to go because of the light pollution mm. and that it was a new moon weekend. That's mm. about it for most part. We knew roughly when the Milky Way would rise and that, but we didn't have locations that we had decided on and mm-hmm. angles we wanted to capture. Now we just went out and pulled over in some snowy road and started shooting. Started going for it. Yeah. Freezing and shooting, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's all, that's what you have to do. Like you know, it's it's really cool. It's really cool in Wellington where I, where I live now. Like, I, you know, five years ago or something, I used to be the only crazy guy out there in the dark and the cold <laughs> shooting, <laughs> shooting the Milky Way. 
Um, but uh, I, I recently, I, like on Saturday night here, I, I run a like a an astrophotography night, a free one for for people in around Wellington. Mm-hmm. And the first one I ran, cool. I didn't know you know how well it would go, but I ended up like with three hundred people there. Wow. And, yeah, really? I know. And then and the year before, I got around eight hundred and. Oh, how do you begin to talk to all of them? <laughs> big, big PA system. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, the, the real cool thing was um, on Saturday night we we thought, well, the year, I, the year before I caused a traffic jam, so I got a I got a <laughs> oh yeah, so I got a bit of a you know, phone call from the local council saying, well, how about you organise it properly this year? So we got oh, geez. We, yeah, we got road closures and we got buses ferrying people in. We had like a thousand people there. It was, it was incredible. Cow. Well, that's awesome. What's it yeah. called? Uh, I just call it a night of astrophotography with me, oh, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, and, and I, I just put it on my events page on Facebook, and you just get so much interest. It's incredible. And I, wow. I, I sort of flew some special guests down from Auckland in New Zealand for it, you know, because they're really interested in astrophotography. And I took them out last night. So this is the night after. And we're driving out through my favorite track and the four-wheel drive track. And then all of a sudden you see all these little red lights pop up on the way of people <laughs> with cameras. So it's, you know, from going out there and seeing absolutely no one to going out now and, and seeing all these people out there shooting astrophotography, it's just fantastic to see. Mm. That's amazing. Have they ruined any spots yet or is it still good? I mean, sometimes you get too many people there and <laughs> it ruins do, it. You do, and um, I, I, I have my favorite spots and people seem to keep away from them, which is great. <laughs> yeah, but, don't but, tell but, anyone. But, yeah, but people still, they, they still, they'll go, they'll, they'll find your spot and they'll go and have a go at yourself, which is, which is fine, you know. Um, yeah. There's always going to be people wanting to see and, and replicate what you get and then they'll sure. develop their own style and go somewhere else and do it. Right on. Mm-hmm. Now, with my Milky Way photography, I process it focusing on that kind of the core that comes around the horizon, but that's close to the light pollution if I have any. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what a, what a core, a Milky Way core at the zenith would be like mm-hmm. in clarity. Is it just completely horseshoe shaped or do you try and keep it low? I mean, what do you do to make sure that that really stands out being so high up in there yeah. kind of far away? Well, from it, it really depends depends what I'm doing. Like. You know, when it's up at the zenith, it's it's really hard to do a single single shot. I usually shoot a pano, panorama, okay. and that's when you get the the horseshoe shape. When once you shoot the panorama, but if if I'm shooting a like a single image, and you know, I might do it like in in um, portrait mode, like portrait orientation. Gotcha. You, you get, it's like you get a nice straight Milky Way at the top, and then you landscape down below. Oh, that's so cool. that's that's one way I go about it. I do like shooting um, panoramas, but. There, there are a lot of work to, yeah. to, to get right. So sometimes I get a little lazy and I thought, oh, I'll just stick to the single single shots. But <laughs> but the the good thing around panoramic images is because you just get so much resolution out of it. And I, I usually up my focal length. Like I, I'm usually shooting around 14 mil regularly, but then I go to 24 mil with the panos. And and the oh, amount yeah. of amount of additional detail you get out of it is, is just incredible. And sometimes I don't even worry about noise reduction. Not at all, mm-hmm. huh? No, mm-hmm. no, because it filters down when when the image gets scaled down. It filters down, and if you oh if, right, right, yeah, and if you're printing really big, like I've printed had my images uh, printed as billboards, 
No, oh, no one's awesome. gonna no one's gonna stand right up to it and say, "Oh my God, look at that noise right there!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at that noise. You've got to stand right back, and you just don't see it. People are gonna ask, "Are you a stacking person? Are you a panorama only? Do you focus on a lot of work and processing? How do you get your shots so clear?" I do noise reduction generally on single images. Definitely do noise reduction. Um, I don't overkill it, and you know, you you just lose way too much detail. I don't mind a bit of noise in the images. Um, it's, it doesn't affect it too much. And as when, you know, if you're displaying on Facebook or the social media, it, it just gets oh, right. filtered out anyway. You don't, you <laughs> don't really see it so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, panoramas, as I said, I really like working with that because you've got the resolution and, and you can keep all that details because you don't have to do so much noise reduction. I have done stacking. I, sometimes I stack, if I'm going to stack anything, I'll be stacking the foreground more so than oh. the sky. Um, really? Yeah, because, you know, you, you just average out that noise between, you know, I shoot between 15, 20 images sometimes mm-hmm. and you, you stack those and it just averages out all that noise in there. So you can then lift up the blacks. You can you can get in there and, and get more detail out of the foreground. That's a that's really, a really good, good point. point. Yeah, that's yeah. a good tip. I like Especially that. if I'm doing a single image and I've got something out there like the Goblin Valley area. That's a brilliant-looking bunch of goblins everywhere. And if I capture that, mm-hmm. but then I stacked 7 to 20 of them and I have something that's doing the median filter, oh, yeah, pretty yeah. brilliant-looking. Yeah. yeah, it's really clean. It's, re- it's really nice. And I love I loved it when I, when I run workshops. Um, I actually ran one with PhotoPills a few weeks ago um, here in Wellington and, awesome. and I, I, I demonstrated that and I had this foreground and looking at it saying, oh, you know, it looks not so bad with noise reduction. Then I showed them when I stacked like the 20 images and then turned on the average and photos chunked away at it and then it sort of <laughs> appeared and, and there was like these gasps in the audience like, <gasps> <gasps> It's clear. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it was like magic. That's nice. I'm always worried about shooting at a higher ISO and getting that noise, but maybe I can. What, do, what ISO do you get away with? I guess it depends on the body and the camera you're working yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I use a Canon 6D and that's pretty good. And I usually shoot at 6400. Yep. Awesome. And, I, and I, can, I can get a clean image out of with noise reduction. Even on the foreground. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you're not pushing the shadows oh. too, the blacks and the shadows too far. Um, but but with the stacking, it's just it's just incredible. It's magic. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Every time I go out for a photo- for a shot now, I have to take twenty to thirty shots at the <laughs> same moment. And be like pop 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 pop, right. and then go. Yikes. Do you change? People are gonna want to know this. I'm gonna ask more technical details mm-hmm. on your stacks. Do you change the amount of time you're exposing for, or anything in your settings, or yeah. do you just take? No, I just go with the, the thirty seconds or so. So you expose for your Milky Way, and then yep. you just stack same shots yeah, on top yeah, of each other. Exactly, because you know when I when I when I composite it back together, obviously I want you know the, everything to kind of match. Still, it's it's just for right, me, it's right. just a it's a way of reducing noise and getting a cleaner image. Ah, that's awesome. Okay, Another I know what I want to do. I, yeah. We're going out to Escalante next weekend or this coming weekend, and we can't wait to test that. A lot of red rocks that are going to be in our scene, so we're going to need that. Yeah. Have you been out this way before? Have you been out to uh, to Utah by chance? I haven't. Like, I go to the U.S. a fair bit, um, and that's it's mainly with the film business. And, and I spend like one or two days in L.A., and <laughs> that's about it. Oh, and then that, yeah, uh, that's and a bummer. I know, I know. And I keep saying to myself, I've actually got to go there and, and do shoots and photos <laughs> and go to the, some of these places. You know, this year I'm sort of booked out, but next year there's there's a bit of a plan. 
So hopefully. Awesome. If you have part of that plan where you need some help down here being picked up at the airport, carrying your bags, <laughs> carrying your tripod, hiking you in, we're here for you. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to show you some spots around here. That's oh, fantastic yeah. landscapes. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go back a little bit in time and talk about if you have any stories from Mark G in the very first year of learning, any stories that stand out to you as either just great successes, great failures, great, just the experience was hilarious. Oh yeah. There's, oh, there's, there's lots and lots of these stories. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, coming, like I, you know, when I first started, I, I came to New Zealand 14 years ago and I was living in Australia in, on the Gold Coast, which is, you know, high rise. It's just, just think of Miami, Florida. It's, okay. it's just like that. So, so you barely see a star in the sky. And I come here and, and the night skies are just insane. I go out to this place in the, what they call the wire wrapper and it's just some of the darkest skies in the world. And I almost fell over backwards when I looked up. And that's, that's wow. when I first decided I was going to start taking photos in the night sky. And obviously I had a, like a Canon 40D at the time. And the first photo I took, you could see one or two stars, and I was quite disappointed because I could actually see more stars in my eyes. Um, so, so my journey, my journey began from there, and and I had no idea really what was in the sky and and things like that. And I started this relationship with with a local observatory here, and, and they were really helpful. They they told me, you know, I'd send them in photos and say, well, what's this and what's that, and they sort of you know told me. And at one point, I did this time lapse looking towards the south and there's there's an airport here as well and there's like these green like what i thought was green lights flashing on and off above the clouds and things like that and i said i said look i've captured the aurora australis here and, and they said no, actually you've captured the airport lights reflecting off the clouds <laughs> oh how disappointing was that yeah, yeah. disappointing but yeah since then I've, I've, you know things things you learned and you know simple things like you know you 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 first capture a satellite and you think, oh, my God, that's a, that's a meteorite. <laughs> but it's, yeah, um, exactly. Like double satellite. I thought, my God, that's so rare. Double satellites, it's double meteorites. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just it's a continuous adventure. And, and um, I've, I've had some classic things that like just going out by yourself to some of these remote locations. And and around New Zealand, there's, there's a big um, seal population. You get penguins. You get all sorts of things. So I was out of this location called Cape Palliser and um, I'd set up and I was the only one out there and there's no one around for miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm shooting away and the next thing I hear what was like a human cough behind me. So like, Whoa. Yeah, I know. And I like jump <laughs> 10 foot. As it turns out, seals have, when they cough, they sound like humans. <laughs> so- <laughs> So oh my a, gosh! So there's seal in the back, seal like just behind <laughs> me somewhere. I didn't have a clue because it's all dark, and it scares the hell out of you. And then I also worked out that um, when penguins mate, they sound like someone's being murdered. This. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! At night, you hear a mating at night. Yeah, you do. It pushes. <laughs> so I mean, it sounds, sounds, sounds like some sounds like someone's being hacked in the. Bushes down. <laughs> You're already and... freaking yourself out being oh there gosh. alone. I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine who was out there recently, and he, after about an hour and a half of being alone, he started freaking himself out too much. He's just like, I got to go. Yeah, I can't stay do. out here alone you anymore. Do. You do. And then you hear what sounds like a murderer <laughs> who accidentally coughed on his way to getting to you was a seal. Yeah. And then the murder happening down there is a bunch of penguins having a happy time. <laughs> I'm not sure New Zealand is so great to do astrophotography. Wow. We don't have snacks here. That's one good thing, I guess. 
Oh, yeah. Man, I, I'm surprised I haven't been bitten by a snake yet. So I keep risking every time I go out. It's true. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it is an adventure. Like, you know, you get the funny stories like that. And oh, you, you see some weird things too. Like I've, I've been out in the middle of nowhere and some random guy would be walking past with a dog. And, Whoa. and you just go, where the hell did he come from? And I was like, <laughs> like, do I say something to him? And I think I said, oh, nice nice night for a walk and he just looked straight ahead and kept walking and the, the <laughs> direction he went there was no way out but he never came back that night so I'm just, weird oh well maybe his dog was walking him to his death just <laughs> <laughs> a dog walk back later you know you should probably report that to police <laughs> where's frank been <laughs> yeah but you know it's just, just stuff like that and just you know the the things you go through to to try and get a shot, like you you know hike up you know up big these big hills and go clamber over boulders and almost fall over and hurt yourself and <laughs> it just yeah. it's just to get these shots and it's just a just one big adventure and it's fantastic. That's why I love about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you mostly just go out alone? Do you have anybody that comes with you oh, normally well, yeah, regularly? You, you know, at the start I, I did go out alone, and, but every now and then I'll take people out with me. Um, but I, I like doing it by myself. It's it's a way. It's that started off as an escape for me for the from the film industry. Like you, you're working, you know, long hours in the film industry and behind a computer, and it was just yeah. so nice to just be able to get out and about and and just escape. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not the type of guy that loves going out in the group and and getting really excited about it all. It's it's great that people do, and I do every now and then. But I just you know like going out by myself, and it's under the stars is the best place to think to be honest. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Where do you go if you're not in New Zealand for astrophotography? Do you go anywhere else? I know you're in the USA, you're stuck in LA with a bunch of light pollution. So yeah. where have you been to go do it? I've been lucky enough to go to a few places. Like I've been to Norway, um, saw the Northern Lights mm-hmm. there, which which was absolutely incredible. Um, I've been going to Africa a bit. Like I've, for the last two years, I've been to Africa in the Masai Mara and also the Serengeti. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, it, was, it was interesting. I got contacted by a guy, a young guy, who's, whose parents have um, what they call bush tops camps and they're like luxury safari camps on, on Facebook and he sent me this email, oh. you know, do you want to come over? We want to introduce astrotourism and we're five-star luxury and you come in and stay and, and I ignored the email. I thought it was a joke. And then, <laughs> right. And then, the I'm Nigerian like, and then a few weeks later he contacted me and he said, have you thought about it? And I was like, okay, you real? So, so <laughs> I've I've gone over there for the last two years and I'm going again this year and and it's 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 such an adventure over there. The night skies are incredible as well and it's just being amongst the wild animals. <laughs> that's a freaky thing. Like <laughs> last year, I was like three three feet or you know probably six feet away from these lions who had just made a kill and eating <laughs> and I'm photographing oh. them, you know, and in an open ah. open aired sort of. Safari vehicle, it's, it's just it's incredible. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So How high up on the equator is Serengeti? I mean, we're talking it, close to the equator yeah, or beyond it? To, it's pretty close to the equator. It's just just above it. And that's that's the interesting thing I, I found because we we tried to recreate the, well, it was a sun setting shot. So in New Zealand, I'm used to the sun rising from the right to the left. And when I was there yeah. in Serengeti, it basically went up and down. So that made planning really what? easy. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't understand. It it's does? The, yeah, it's on the aquarium. It goes up and down. <laughs> that is Whoa, bizarre. that would be freaky. <laughs> yeah. I, I had not put that together that that's what happens. Yeah. So where's the Milky Way? What does Milky Way do to you? The Milky Way... 
it's a it's a little different, but yeah, it's 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 there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's there. It's there, but it doesn't it doesn't sort of go. Yeah, I can't remember which way which way it goes actually, <laughs> but I, I remember because we we have in the in the southern hemisphere we have the um uh, the malogenic clouds yeah which, galaxies which are great, and I remember there you could just see them on the horizon they never really came up, and oh, but you still do see them okay. yeah 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 so it's incredible and that's the thing you notice the difference in the night sky as you travel all over the world. And, and it gives you something to really think about. You know, we are on a globe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. We we have never seen the large and small Magellanic Cloud, and it's one of our dreams to do that and see it. I mean, we I didn't know they existed until two years ago. Yeah. I honestly had never learned the night mm. sky in the Southern Hemisphere enough mm-hmm. to know that. And I finally saw a picture and thought, what on earth are those? Yeah. <laughs> mm. I had no idea. Yeah, it's so cool, yeah. and they—they're very cool. They just sit there in the sky, and, and you just look at them and go, "Oh my god, we're talking looking at two galaxies here!" You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, and are they visible to your naked eye, or only when the exposure is high? Yeah, no, no, definitely the naked eye. Like you know, in Wellington, which is the capital city, um, but it's it's very good light pollution. On the south coast, there you can definitely see it. The naked eye, they look like a faint cloud, but when you're out in a purely dark area, it's just you know, it's stunning. Ah, oh, brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of listeners on the Facebook group who were so excited when they found out that we were going to interview Mark G. They all kept saying, singing their praises about, oh, I got into astrophotography because of Mark G. Mm. Or I really jumped in astrophotography and got better because of watching his videos or watching him do it. He inspired me, inspired me, inspired me. That's what everyone kept saying. They're awesome. all inspired by Mark G. So thanks for everything that you have done. I mean, you have been an amazing inspiration for people up here in the Northern Hemisphere, all over the world. And so your astrophotography has been top-notch, high-quality, and people are just jealous of the quality and they're just trying to replicate it all the time. That's really great to hear because, you know, that's what it's all about. I, I sort of, I do it for myself. Like, I, I love doing it for myself, but if I can inspire people on the way, and, and that's what I tend to do more. I, I try and get people out under the night sky with, and like with those big workshops where I have a free workshop, come along, have a go, that, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Okay, so where can people follow you, Mark? Where's your website and where can people see your work? The Art of Night. Dot com and mm-hmm. on the social media it's just the art of night for facebook instagram uh google plus yeah I'm, i don't really do too no. much there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm mainly, put- mainly a facebook and an instagram kind of guy um, yeah yeah so the art of night that's all you need to know awesome night, okay. and what are you working on next other than the photo pills adventure that you're going on and teaching yep. people what's yep. your next big thing that you're looking forward to doing with your camera i am i'm tr- i'm shooting a lot more time lapse um and i'm actually experimenting in some daylight time lapse for once so, <laughs> what's so yeah, day? I, daylight? Yeah, yeah, what daylight i'm just i'm, I'm yeah <laughs> there's, a, there's a few little special things I'm, I'm trying and a few little rigs that i'm building and, and so forth just trying a few little different things so Hopefully you'll see something there at some point. Oh, that's awesome. Mark, thanks so much for taking time to join us. We loved this. Thank you. No problem. Yes, thank you, guys. What an awesome guest host it was to have Mark G. He's gone now. It's not recording anymore, but man, we have loved it. Thanks again, Mark. If you're listening to this later on, thanks again for coming on with us. We absolutely had a blast talking to you and being someone who we idolize as one of the astrophotographers we aspire to be like. It was really awesome to have you on today. So thanks for joining us on Photo Dog Adventures. Thanks, everybody. Those of you who've noticed our Patreon that we have out there, please check it out. If you got a couple bucks you want to high five us with, let us know over at patreon.com forward slash photog adventures and check out our videos that are coming out on YouTube. Okay. And we'll see you next week, guys. Have a good week. See you guys.